Today in TFC Stock Geekout, we're going to explore a company where you run and exercise and get fit. <laughs> Some people call them the pandemic play, and let's be real, during the COVID period, they did grow very, very fast. But going forward, they are more than just a pandemic play. They aim to take over your gym membership, right? They want to be of so much value that you will stick with them and not with your gym membership. So it's it's not a foreign company. I think a lot of people will know they are in the media circuit and that's where we're going to find out. But they have been going around with a lot of supply chain issues. Um, the share price have been tanking. I think it's come down by 40%. So the question is, can they you know sort out their problems and get back to growth stage? And our friend for today has a very, very interesting story structure for us. Okay, so joining me today to geek out on this fitness company, Peloton, is Max, right? Max Co. You can find him on Twitter at HeyMaxCo. Okay, he also has a Substack. Just go ahead and search his Twitter account. And he has a very interesting story because he was like a super bull for Peloton, but he's recently as you know released all his positions so now he says that he's not a bear okay he's just neutral coming back to try to figure this company and i think that's an interesting story right how does an investor go from being super bullish about this growth company but then after a while kind of tweak their perspective and essentially share his position so it's not exactly an easy share he lost a little bit of money but for all that and more you know you should join us today and of course you can go and reach out to him to talk a little bit more but today we're going to focus on how peloton is struggling with some of their growth initiatives you know where is their future going forward and of course the most important thing is how max structures his portfolio and what is the reason behind he being so bullish he's going to give you a super bullish case for for like 45 minutes and then sell the stock sell his position for your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 16th of December 2021 and it does not serve as any form of recommendations to buy any stocks. It's only for entertainment and education purposes only. Thank you for loving what we do to empowering us financially to do more for you. So let's geek up. Okay, um, welcome back to the show today. Very happy to have a new friend on the show, right? So, <laughs> so Max, you want to introduce yourself for all the listeners tuning in today? Okay, hello folks. Uh, my name is Max. I'm from Singapore. So I've been uh, investing in the markets, uh, like using long-term investing for the last three years. So it's still pretty short track record, but um, so far I'm having a lot of fun and return so far up to my own standard. So yeah, that's mainly about it. And I invest mainly in growth companies, uh, not Singapore stocks, uh, mainly US <laughs> and international based markets. <laughs> Singapore yeah. no growth, is, is that kind of what I'm hearing? <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go too specific on that. Cause, okay, yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> but yep. I mean, I mean, yes, yes, yes. I hear you. I hear you. And today yeah. we're gonna talk about an interesting company in the sense yeah. that. It is interesting as a business, but also interesting as in your take on the business because you bought into it. You were very, mm. uh, you were a strong believer of it, and then you sold. You sold your positions. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the interesting transition that we're gonna uh, <laughs> elaborate as we evolve down today's discussion. But the company yeah. we're gonna talk about today is Peloton. Right. So. Yeah. What is Peloton? What do they do? Um, a lot of people just think you know they're just a bike company. You know, like yeah. yeah share with us more. Sure. So I think I'll start all the way from what exactly it is. So uh, Peloton is a connected fitness company that 
term is a very big label. So essentially what they do is kind of, uh, they sell exercise equipment on a very bare bones basis uh, that allows mm. people to do like fitness classes via the internet. So I think these days, I'll just give a simple breakdown first from a layman perspective. Like in Singapore, they're not available in Singapore. So, but in Singapore, you see people attend like spin classes at the gyms, what have you. And then some people do it at home if their houses are big enough, uh, landed, all those stuff where they can buy the exercise bike. And then what they do is that they then kind of get their phone or an iPad and then they go for a YouTube class, all the kind of stuff. And then so they kind of use that to kind of instruct them on to how to actually like keep fit and to do their cardio. So mainly Peloton, what they does is it sells exercise equipment as of now it's mainly an exercise bike which is the spinning machine and a treadmill that comes in built with uh, fitness classes which means they come with their own lcd screen which is big ass screen in terms of like uh, instructors following you or teaching you how to follow them in terms of doing the classes with them or doing the exercises with them and then of course they have other stuff like boot camps and all the physical strength workouts which we can get into later but mainly that's actually what they they do from a bare bones basis and then afterwards maybe to go a bit into the details so what is actually their business model is yeah they mainly generate revenue from two ways right the first way is what i talked about uh, they sell these uh, hardware equipment so the label that they use in their 10k or the annual report uh, is called connected fitness Product. So anytime you hear connected fitness products, it means it's selling the treadmill or the bike. And then the second thing, which is a, a smaller portion of their revenue. So the main money maker is still the connected fitness. And then the second portion is actually their monthly digital subscriptions. So because when you actually buy the bikes, you have to follow the classes or you want to follow the classes, in fact, because uh, their classes are quite interesting and quite outstanding, which we can go into later as well. But uh, you pay a monthly recurring digital subscription uh, that gives you like an all access pass to the content and the classes and any new content that comes in so two main revenue models and now of course they have a tiny stream coming from apparel they're kind of trying to go more into the lifestyle side of stuff but uh i, I, don't I sense really... a little bit of disdain there i sense a little bit of disdain there like apparel waste of yeah. more like what you hear <laughs> yeah i mean because of course like um it's always very skeptical whether some brand can be the next like lululemon or, or the next mm-hmm. under armor it's a tough business though. so um i i kind of like not think Taking that into account, even though some people would say, "Oh yeah, that's optionality," but um, as of at least as of my 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 risk appetite, my investing analysis, I think that is not something that it's uh, I see in the cards yet. So mainly two revenue models, yeah. Okay, cool. So I mean, apparel is not their core business anyway, right? So not yet. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, you know, about optionality. But I think yeah. I think let's focus a little bit on the connected fitness product, right? Mm. So I think yeah. a lot of times when companies come out with new terms, right, then the market have to kind of grapple around like connected yes. fitness. You know, isn't isn't yeah. honestly isn't it just a spin <laughs> machine? Yeah, you can say so, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so um, how does that fare relative to their competitors? You know, in the sense of like this machine, what's so unique about the product why are people raving over it you know like Got it. yeah so i would say the main competitors uh, traditionally the up against is actually your spin classes at the gym Right, mm. so your your boutique gyms or in Singapore is also quite popular, given we're quite developed. You no know, people attend group spin classes together or they go to the gym to work out. So that's mainly I would say the traditional competitor they're up against first and foremost before we go into the connected fitness competitors. So I'll talk about the industry first. So the industry first and foremost 
the thing that they are mainly fighting is just conventional gyms and conventional spin classes. So I give a few examples. In Singapore, I don't think they're that popular, but there's a presence in Singapore here. There's this company known as uh, Barry's Bootcamp. Uh, they mm. do like uh, bootcamp classes. Yes, high end. <laughs> exactly. I, right? I, 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 yes. Have you been, by the way, Barry's Bootcamp? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there. Audience, but I have friends who are going there. I was like, wow, you got that pie chart on here. Like, you know, that plastic photo lighting, very yeah. nice. Everything. It's, it's quite but a task, yes, actually. Yeah, very so, atas, uh, yes. Yeah, but Barry's book can, but of course, a more direct competitor would be Soul Cycle in America, and of course, mm. uh, Orange Theory. So Orange Theory is this well-known boutique fitness classes. They have spin classes, exercise classes, what have you. So Soul Cycle, Barry's book can, Orange Theory. I just lump all these together like, for simplicity purposes. All mm. these have a physical presence, so you have mm. to go down to the fitness center or to the gym or to the boutique center, what have you, and then do the exercise alongside a bunch a whole sweaty people in the room and then instructor in front and all that kind of stuff so that's mainly what they're up against and so the main your question was the what, what's different in terms of the value proposition so at first I was quite skeptical because I mean this is just a like fitness equipment and then with a iPad in front which is what most bears or most people would be a bit skeptical towards and it's only when I start to do the math so I give an example so I'll just go into the numbers and then maybe you can just ask a bit if anywhere we get lost so sure. what happens is Peloton their fitness bike so they have this thing known as the bike and the bike plus the bike is the mm. lower end version so let's just assume that uh, it's currently <laughs> 1,500 because that's, that's their main seller like, right now I know, the bike I know. when I saw the bike a, plus I'm like I'm like huh bike just, it's like plus right? yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's just a bigger screen it's a bigger yes, much yes. bigger screen so there's a more uh, what's the word panoramic experience right oh, okay. <laughs> okay, but, yeah. so, okay, so the, okay. the bike plus is 2.5k but I'll just assume that we just use the bike so it's 1.5k uh, okay. Previously, it was about 2 point something K and then over the last number of months, they have lowered it a few times uh, mm-hmm. to lightly expand the TAM, which the, the management did say. So anyway, now it's 1.5K. So if you do the math 1.5K, they allow all their customers to take up this thing known as the 39 months interest-free installment plan using this buy now, pay later company that's big in the States known as Affirm. Right, but affirm. we won't yeah, affirm, we won't go into that for now. But so more than fifty percent of their customers that buy the bikes use the buy now pay later financing plan. So it breaks up the payment and then plus after you do that, every month you must also pay thirty-nine dollars for the continual subscription of the classes because otherwise it's just a bike that's useless, right? You won't go and get such an expensive bike. So all in all, if you add that up together, those amounts add up. So you take like one thousand five hundred divided by thirty-nine plus $39 per month. If you compare that amount to like a Barry's Bootcamp or a Soul Cycle, of course, the range will depend and vary quite a bit. But for most of these boutique fitness classes, per class, it's actually like close to actually $20, $30 per class. Of course, you can get the package, what have you. Uh, but when you compare that versus now per month, for Peloton, you're paying like less than 100 bucks, And then of course, you get unlimited classes and all these other things. And I forgot to add one thing, which is after my own due diligence in the Facebook groups and forums that I was looking at or Reddit, they have the Peloton Reddit. Um, the reason people find value there is because per membership, right? Uh, they allow up to five people per household, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, five. Mm. But on average, based on their track record of them sharing per subscription, per subscription, they have on average of 2.4 to 2.5 people 
per subscription, which means they're using it on a household basis. So when you divide that by you and your partner, it makes it even lesser. So that's the, from a monetary tangible standpoint, I hope it helps you see the main value proposition, which is $20, $30 per class versus like if you split between you and your partner, it can be less than 50 bucks per month for unlimited classes. So mm-hmm. that is the main value prop as to what makes them different from a numbers perspective. And then of course, from a more intangible qualitative perspective, it would be a few things. Uh, number one is of course, you can actually do it like anytime, anywhere. Uh, you don't actually have to kind of go only for a certain time slot. So this is actually pretty interesting, which I can share because I don't have spin class experience. But do you have spin class experience? Well? I don't Maybe have class. spin okay, class experience. <laughs> okay. so, but so I've I seen, don't. I've walked past spin classes and I'm like, oh, this bunch of people are crazy down there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I'm not talking about just, just that experience on class, right? Mm. but even pre-class. So I, I don't have spin class experience, uh, even though it's been on my to-do list to go and attend one just for due diligence. Uh, but that aside, right? So uh, the reason, let me just digress a bit. So the founder of this company known as John Foley, uh, his backstory for starting the company was because he was a busy executive at like Barnes and Nobles and then like uh, he couldn't find time to exercise. So he wanted to attend spin classes. The frustration comes when um, the split of these spin classes, the best instructors, right? Normally their slots get taken up very fast. It's like the minute like, um, like maybe they only release the slots like 24 hours in advance. Once the bookings open, like within like five seconds, boom, it's full. <laughs> because people are like camping there to refresh the screen. And then when I asked a few of my female friends in Singapore to be uh, full context, they also face the same thing. So I have some friends right now, female friends, who attend spin classes at Zook uh, because Zook is no longer the club that we know. It's uh, it's, (laughs) it's now a exercise studio. Post-pandemic, post-pandemic, guys. Exactly. It's it's big pivot, big pivot. Yes. (laughs) And they said the same thing, which gave me a bit of a, uh aha, okay, so what John Foley was saying, it actually isn't just a story he's crafting for investors. So they Mm. are very pissed also, my friends, in the sense where some Sometimes the good instructors, if they only do their classes at 7 a.m. that day, you've got to wake up early j- just for that class and then go all the way down to Zoom and you have to book it in advance. So it's very, very tough. So the, from a qualitative standpoint, because I already covered the numbers side, the qualitative side is that it allows you to attend classes anytime, anywhere without having to book it because a lot of these instructors, uh, you can attend the live class or you can attend the recorded class because every content that's done live, it also goes into the recordings. So that whole content library is being built and built and built and built over the years as it amasses uh, the quantity within. So those are a few reasons. Um, yeah, later we can talk more about the instructors and uh, why I really love it and what was different about that that drew me into invest. But that's mainly from a general point of view. Yeah. Okay, okay. So can, can you give us a little bit of colour? Like what is the bulk of revenue coming from these bikes? And you did vividly say that 50% of the people that bought hmm. the bikes are buying on the instalment plan. Yes. Yeah. So, right. so, um, so that is the, the longer term cash flow. Yeah. So actually the bulk of revenue from the company right now, right? Close to 80% of 80%. their revenue came from the bikes. Because I mentioned there's two revenue streams, now. bikes versus mm-hmm. subscription monthly. So as of now, full company revenue, 80% comes from bikes. The latest quarter, though, it dropped to 60% for reasons we can get into later. But if mm-hmm. I think that's an anomaly like, due to some difficulties or headwinds they're facing. But uh, before that, generally, they were about 70 to 80% across the board that makes up their full year revenue coming from the hardware. So it's not just the bikes, by the way. It's the bikes plus the treadmills. But the bikes is the main money maker now because the treadmill is still a bit new and it's uh, not yet penetrated well yet in the market.
Mm. And there's some problems with the treadmill. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. what I heard. Very By nice. the way, guys, I just that, wanna yeah. I just wanna slot here that you know uh, there's a rooster outside <laughs> in my house. Oh, so serious? if you hear, go, 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 don't mind me. I'm I'm in some. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, like I can't European hear you. I can't. I can't hear you. Great. That's great. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Okay. So about eighty percent comes from the bikes and the treadmill, uh, which. For now, yeah. it's still problematic. We can talk a little bit about it. Um, and the remaining, I would assume, comes from the monthly subscription. Yes, correct. So the sub- okay. subscription revenue is the balance. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So when we look at a business like this, we want to see the hardware sales continue to stay strong and also the monthly subscription will then grow along with the hardware sales, right? Some, something yeah. along this line, right? Got it. So actually, let me just chime in there a bit. Um, maybe yes mm. and no. So there's a few different schools of okay. thought. I can share mine as well. So obviously, yes, because um, they are hardware companies, so traditionally for a hardware company, growth investors, most will not really look at it because, you know, we're all into that software and in the cloud kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but the reason it was exciting was because of their growth rate for the hardware. It's like growing like 100% year on year before all all these difficulties came in before that, so we're growing quite fast. Uh, and so the thesis that a lot of investors have is actually the hardware, even though it's the majority, it's a bit like what you said. You want the subscription to follow along, but eventually be able to kind of increase in percentage as well. Uh, because the truth is your bike, it's only a one-time payment, but your subscription goes on for a long time. And we can get into the subscription later on as well if you want to probe. But the subscription, their churn is actually pretty attractive in a sense where the stickiness is very awesome for a consumer product. Uh, so their churn is about uh, 0.8%, 0.7% hovers around there per month. So if you kind of just make it to a, like maybe in one year, maybe like about 90% retention, which for a consumer product, I would say it's uh, pretty off the charts, right? So yes, uh, yes. what a lot of investors, at least the long-term bulls, like myself included uh, back then, uh, is the, the main thesis was, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, as in, okay, I'll share later, that later. later. Yes, right. yes, yes. Um, and that is, you want the hardware to continue growing, but you want to mm. see the software kind of increase in proportion because the LT or the long-term value of like one single customer that you bring in can be pretty long because of the high stickiness or sticky retention rates. Yeah. Okay, fair. I hear you on this. And are they looking to do a similar walk garden kind of strategy where the software and all the content is only tied to Peloton yeah, bikes? It is. It's been, is a, it's been a walk garden forever, okay. which is okay. what pisses forever, me off. Because, huh? So they, they, they don't yeah. plan to open like open it up and connect with other... No, okay, okay. No. And from their strategy, you can see it's obvious. So they're trying to build uh, another kind of uh, aspirational brand. So the walk garden strategy is quite uh, yeah common. Okay, cool. Yeah. So now let's expand a little bit on the subscription then. Why do you think it's sure. like so amazing? I mean, based on what you are saying, it's like, oh, this is very, very good, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah, right? So I, I want to hear a little bit on that. So I think I'll share the numbers and then afterwards I'll share the qualitative as well. Yeah. Uh, so the numbers, you know whether the listeners can follow along with me just throwing out the numbers, but uh, by the way, I'm looking at the spreadsheet, so it's not coming from my head, so it's a lot easier <laughs> for me. Um, it's actually like, it's my own financial modeling, right? It's about 0.8 percent per month this is the monthly net churn monthly net 0.8 to 0.7 percent per month 
Of course, there are some months it dropped to like 0 0.3, 0 0.4, but just assume 0 0.8, 0 0.7. So if you're trying to analyze that to a year, it means in one year, they have like a 88% or like a close to 90% uh, retention rate. So based off that, it means that if you look at like the lifetime of a customer, assuming these numbers continue to hold, uh, it will give you like a lifetime of close to like 100 months, uh, about eight years, which sounds borderline ridiculous because uh, we can't envision that. Like, I can't imagine someone paying eight years subscription non-stop for Peloton. Uh, mm -hmm. But at least the numbers, if you want to use that, the numbers don't lie. Uh. So based off this, from that point of view, and then you times $39 per month, per month times 12 months for one year times like eight years whatever that amount in terms of the lifetime value uh, it's i think i did a math i don't have the calculator with me right now it's about two point something k two thousand dollars plus versus their amount of uh, sales and marketing spend which is uh, what we call the the CAC, la, the customer acquisition cost the mm -hmm. the sales and marketing spend to bring in a subscriber it's at max about hundred dollars plus Previously was about $200 plus, but even if you assume that previously $200 plus, the CAC of $250, $250 versus a $2,000 long-term value, it's, I think the numbers speak for itself right, in terms of the multiple from LTV to CAC. So that's why uh, a lot of investors actually see that Peloton or, or the bullish investors, Peloton is actually a hardware company, but behind that mask is actually a, a media subscription company. And that's why a lot of references, I'm not sure whether maybe Reggie, you have uh, maybe heard about it. It's, a lot of references were drawn to Netflix as well. And yeah, then of course, yeah. because of that, the best that I know, that's bullshit. How can you compare this to Netflix? But uh, actually, there is a lot of, uh, I would say, similarities. If you use, want to use a proxy for Netflix because of the subscription, the numbers making sense because of their stickiness. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Netflix itself says that it's not just about video consumption, right? They're mm. competing with gaming, they're competing yeah, yeah. with news, they're competing exactly. with all the... Because it's about attention, right? So if people spend a lot of time on Peloton, then in some ways they are a competitor. Uh, yep. But I'm not sure if the day-to-day -day human thinks like that, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to replace Netflix with Peloton. I'm not sure about yeah. that, yeah. right? So, yeah. But I hear you and for a lot of people listening in, customer acquisition cost essentially is the cost to acquire the customer mm. to come into yep. the ecosystem and sign up. And then LT TV is an assumed total amount that you can squeeze out of them, yeah. <laughs> squeeze out of them, you know, Correct. over over yeah. their lifetime with you as a customer, right? Yeah. But um, I, I have a question on this, right? Because mm. I think certain businesses. LTV actualization is very high, right? In a sense yeah. that because they have time to prove out that, okay, yes, people do stay around, you know, it, it really works. But this is a lot of assumption. Peloton is a young company. And yeah. there's a very big problem in this assumption is fitness trends, right? So fitness has trends, mm. right? Like bar exercises, like yoga, you know, like, like all those things, they have cycles. Right? Eventually they fade out and then there'll be new things that come in. Are you then concerned that the assumption in the LTV is overly optimized? Like over Really yes. optimistic. Yes, mm. uh, solid point. I would say yes. I was concerned at first before I took a position that is like, yeah, I mean, even though the numbers show that it's, you know, eight years lifetime value, but is that really possible? <laughs> like even yeah. I can't imagine myself riding a spinning bike for eight years nonstop, right? I'll probably get bored. <laughs> of course, then I started doing my own due diligence. So because if the numbers show you that then you want to maybe dig deeper to try and disprove the number. So what I did was I went to uh, research and the good thing about these consumer businesses like Peloton is that you can really research because there are people posting their Facebook, YouTube, Reddit reviews, what have you. So Peloton actually has a free Facebook group online for their Peloton members. It's about a few hundred thousand people inside. Uh, and so I joined that group to kind of spy. I joined their Reddit Peloton subreddit. And so this was the part that made me uh, excited 
to kind of answer your question on that point was because actually when you look at it, right, there are people, and it's not just one, it's like multiple people who have owned their Peloton for three years, four years coming, which mm. even though it's not eight years, uh, it's still mm. pretty insane. Uh, they're not anomalies. Uh, it's actually quite common. And how do we know? It's because they will post their workout photo on the Facebook group and like, hey, it's been four years, blah, blah, this thing has helped me fight cancer, what have you, and all those kinds of stuff. And then in the subreddit also, you will have people who kind of share their experiences with the newbies who just came in about, oh, I've been here for three years, four years. And when I went to dig deeper in terms of a lot of uh, reviews, WordPress sites, actually Peloton, uh, even though it's a young company because it only was a listed IPO in 2019, late 2019, but it started selling bikes pretty well in, I would say, 2015, 2016 about that. I might be off by a bit, but it's been some time. And so people actually do consistently stick to it. So of course, all these are anecdotal, uh, to be fair, because yeah. you can't really, I can't really do a survey, but I saw a lot of multiple occurrences of people who actually stuck to the thing for a long time. So that kind of... Uh, made me feel a bit more assured. And then when I dug deeper uh, into what makes the people stick, so I think that's where I kind of forgot to answer the question just now as to your question about the LTV, right? And, and that is from a qualitative side, put the numbers aside, uh, the reason Peloton is so sticky, which until now they still are, is because of one thing. It's their instructors and their classes. So I'll just give you an example. Um, from a fitness point of view, I mean, I'm sure most of us in our lives, Reggie yourself, myself included, in our lives, at least once in our life, we have wanted to uh, lose weight, correct? <laughs> okay, we all have tried that. Recurring the- theme, la, not once in our <laughs> life, la, right? Okay, <laughs> got it. So the problem with losing weight or getting fit is what? It's always a means to an end, right? You follow? Like in the sense where yes. people go for the workout, not because they like to work out, but because it's a terrible experience, but they just go through that so that you can hit that nice weight, that nice body, that healthier life that you crave or you desire so it's always a means to an end but when i was looking through a lot of these peloton reviews on youtube facebook reddit uh, all these stuff the peloton experience is an end in itself so people <laughs> go for the bike because okay. it's fun it, okay, it's fun okay. and it, it's it's energizing and then i went to see a few of the classes on youtube so once again uh, it's mm-hmm. purely walk garden uh, it's only some people they just record snippets of the class and they put online mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty much like going to I use an example which uh, just ask me to explain more if you can't really get it. It's a combination mm. of a fitness class plus a dance club plus a motivational seminar plus church <laughs> and plus a theater play all in one. Like mm. I give you an example. They have a lot of different types of personalities in their instructor team. You have a very... This guy name is named Cody Rigsby. He's like a sassy guy, um, very, very fun guy, always talking about him being gay and very, very open about it. And then like the ladies just love him. He talks very, very... In a very sassy manner. A bit like if you have watched... What's that movie? What, some white chicks or something, like a character out from that movie, and he attracts a lot of the females and the ladies. And then, imagine you're exercising, you're very tired, he's talking about him and his boyfriend going out on a hot date and all sorts of funny stuff. And so you're laughing and getting entertained while sweating. And then plus, they use like a lot of music. So they have a lot of tie-ups, which is a big bulk of their span. Partnerships with like Beyonce, uh, they have like Michael Jackson, right? It's Britney Spears, right? And of course, they were tsung the thing a bit to have their own like, like a bit of a different feel. So it's 
mm-hmm. mixture of dance club, all these things add together. And then, of course, along the way, they will tell you some motivational quotes. Like, okay, guys, as you're tired, remember why you started? All these kinds of uh, very dry examples. Mm-hmm. And then plus, uh, oh, because of the... Yes, because of the nature of the business model, right? Um, mm. Like, example, sometimes when... This is very common, by the way. Somebody's mother died in a fire. Somebody's kid died because of an accident. Very sad example. They would post all these photos of their kids on the Peloton Facebook group that free Facebook group. And that Facebook group is moderated by, I think, a ton of their own moderators looking through. And if they see this coming from a member, they will likely search the member's name and then check this member book what live class next tomorrow. And then they see who's the instructor and they will find all these very strong highlights uh, that can really be very memorable. They will tell the instructor, hey, yesterday Jenny posted on Facebook group, her mom just died. I want you to do a shout out for her. So their whole class is all scripted and very, very theater-like, which people don't know. Like it's not just a gym class where all, you know, live gyms, people just, it's all like spontaneous, right? So it's all Mm. planned. And so like the instructor will have like, oh, in, at the 39th minute when this track from Michael Jackson plays, I'm going to say, hey, Jennifer, just want to give a shout out. I know it's tough for you, but right on, we're all with you. And then like you can see people, they post, oh my goodness, the instructor called me out today and I just cried while riding. So I hope this gives you the essence <laughs> of like, um, yeah, it's church, motivational seminar, dance club, fitness class, all tied up in one. To answer mm-hmm. the question, I gave a very long-winded answer as to why mm-hmm. the stickiness is there. So because mm-hmm. of those factors, it allowed me to feel a bit more... Um, Assured. I wouldn't say I'm confident they can last eight years, lah, but I'm more assured yeah, yeah. that the churn is what it says on numbers. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. I mean, very cultish, very spiritual. Oh, yes. uh, very cultish. Um, yeah. I, I'm not saying that it's definitely a bad thing, you know, but it's just it's just, you know, the the very essence of a cult, right? <laughs> but yep. in, a, in a business view, it's not a bad thing. I mean, we put our morality aside, right? Just looking yep. at the churn in itself, right? But I would say, I would say, um, for all you listening, maybe uh, you still got to see for a little bit longer. But okay, if, if the yep. clarity comes along, then uh, prices will reflect in itself already, right? So maybe you will yep. not be as advanced, right? But the, the reality is, I do think uh, churn rate will increase exponentially in the later yep. part of the, in the later part of their life cycle as a customer, right? More that's people will drop off. That's a fair yes. point. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, very standard, like, I would say. But also, uh, one thing about their content spend, they do spend the highest um, relative to all the other guys. Yes. Spotify, Netflix, yep. YouTube, Apple, everybody, they do spend the highest per stream. Yeah. Right. Um, so they do pay content creators the most. Um, I'm not sure how that will play out. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, this people see as a downside, right? I actually mm-hmm. like that. So so to mention, because you mentioned there are competitors, Netflix, Spotify, but actually I wouldn't say those are competitors because those are like totally different business model, right? They're, they're main competitors in this industry. But they industry. buy from the same company. But they buy from the same uh, like creators, so, right? So they in, have in like some ways. Mm. yeah, in some ways. But of course, they have like licensing agreements and partnerships with like Spotify as well. So it's not exactly mm. a competitor. But so their main competitors are a few bike companies known as uh, Nordic Track, uh, Echelon Bikes. All these are just like different variations and then of course uh, okay. Apple Fitness so Apple's also go into that the main reason if you go and look at the Instagram pages of the companies and so all these companies also have their own instructors uh, like the reason the fan following like you you've said a very good word which is the cult-like following that Peloton's instructors have which is actually their main mode uh, because that's what customers go back for because of the personality and the connection with the instructors versus instructors from Echelon Nordic or uh, Apple Fitness it's mainly because of the content spend so peloton spends a lot of money on like hiring the best people to make their content they spend a lot of money on music 
uh, licensing, which is a very big bulk of their content versus uh, a typical class from a competitor that just uses some random Tom, Dick, Harry, Chapalang music, right? And then the, 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 the thing that I, I, I think I was quite impressed by, which of course is what you mentioned, that is content span, is it a concern? Yes. But I was quite impressed by when I, I was doing a bit of digging and actually people, this one I think, they are not supposed to say, but you know, always there's always a backdoor person who will come out and share. Peloton, almost every class is purely scripted from start to finish, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, whoa, okay, that's pretty insane because you mentioned there's some ethical concerns there as well. But I mean, I see it as like, it's just theater. La. And so it it's is. scripted from start yeah. to finish. And they hire Hollywood producers or people from Hollywood to script their classes. So mm-hmm. there's stuff like the, um, are you aware of this thing known as the hero's journey? You know, where like, you know, in storytelling, there's, there's, yeah, the yeah, hero yeah, goes no, no, through no, no. the arc, right? They do the same thing. Mm. So even though the class, you might think, oh, it's just a spin class, innocently go inside. Actually, there's a lot of scripting that goes in to kind of make you go through the ups and downs, the highs, feel the inspiration, at the bad low where you feel them tired, kind of push you a bit. And so all these content span add up. But to me, I want to see that because otherwise then they are not going to be any different from their competitors, but isn't it? Anyone can just get a bike and an iPad and an instructor. What makes them different? It's this span and their partnerships uh, that they have built over time. Yeah. Okay, okay. So then um, I think the next important question about this particular thing is how long do they have absolute exclusivity to all these trainers? Yeah. This is important, oh, right? Yeah, yes. correct, correct. Yeah, so obviously this one, uh, I even I don't have the perfect answer, la, to okay, be fair, okay. which is why their spend on music uh, is actually one of their highest spend. Uh, their spend mm. with this uh, Beyonce, Michael Jackson, Britney Spears is one of the mm. highest spend. So yes. that's why I think are the they, market is concerned. Yeah. yeah, are they then able to successfully keep creating new personalities, like new cultures and new... That's yes. important. Bingo. Yeah, okay. so that actually is one of the... So my investing philosophy is normally when I want to invest in a company, I'll break the company down into like three key variables or three to four dependent on like how many that I can find uh, to try to track the company for. So you actually know a very solid point on Reggie. One of the variables I look for is its ability to churn out stars celebrities are stars uh, of course we mentioned uh, if the mode that the company has is the connection that people have with these personas on the bikes which is the, the instructors then if this instructor leaves then they are screwed uh, they, are, they are really screwed yeah. so I want to yeah. see their ability to churn out stars which means just from what I just said those people that really understand uh, this which is not easy to understand actually Peloton is not even a hardware company it's a media company it's like a under the radar Hollywood kind of like it just needs to be able to churn out your Robert Downey Juniors, your actors, actresses, what have you, Johnny Depp, yeah. right? Uh, and so uh, that was my initial concern that they just have a few, one or two stars lined up. But over the last few years, hey, they have churned out a few new stars. And if you follow the Instagram page, the following, right, uh, on a like a week to week or month on month basis, it's actually picking up trend in an accelerated manner as well. So the ability to kind of uh, build up the persona of these instructors to become like celebrities is actually there. So initially in the early days was just a few instructors. Uh, a few of them, their names are Cody Rixby, uh, Ellie Love, a few of these people. Uh, today they have so many more from different countries as well. So it tells me that they have the system there. Like. And of course I went to do a bit of digging on Twitter, speaking to a few other investors and a few other underground researchers as well of the company. So their process for building up the instructors is actually pretty insane. So it's a, it's a very high bar. So uh, when the instructors first come in, so what they will do right is they will send out uh, 
certain talent scouts to go attend spin classes from Orange Theory and Soul Cycle, really. And then they will kind of track these people. One of their instructors, his name is called Ben Eldis, came from this way where one of their talent scouts went down to his class. That guy was giving a fitness class in one of the boutique gyms. After the class ended, he just approached the guy and like, hey, would you be interested in... Uh, having a different type of arrangement for fitness that could really change your life. Something like this. Just the mm, opening Very quote. K-pop, very K-pop. Yeah. Uh. Yes, Hired yes, the yes. guy from there. And then mm. through that, they go through like a six-month training period, which is pretty intense. And then afterwards, a lot of their instructors, right, the part that gave me a lot of excitement, so I think I'm going to be overly bullish here through my sharing, is that it's like um, they don't come from instructor backgrounds. A lot of their instructors, uh, just now I give that example, was a bit of an anomaly. Quite a number of their instructors come from backgrounds with zero fitness experience. So a few of their best instructors right now are dancers, uh, lawyers. So they like to hire people with a certain stage personality who already have the ability to, you know, um, what we call rara a crowd. Uh, yeah. Because the training how- <laughs> or the fitness part can teach. Yeah. I get it. And I love how lawyers are part of the rara. Anyway, anyway, that's a discussion for another time, another time. But yes, I think that's an important thing for listeners to take note because uh, as with many other sectors that are, you know, very, very anchored on celebrities, anchored on personalities, you know, like um, live stream selling stuff, you know, or even like K-pop directly, um, you really got to see how well the company can keep churning you know new yep. people and uh, if they cannot then uh, yeah it's a little bit of a yep. it's a bit of an issue right because they get tied down by the personalities correct yeah and i think through the pandemic everybody assume or everybody kind of tie peloton as a pandemic play right because yep. i mean for the past two years you see revenue fly right hundreds of mm. percent you know moving up in itself right so what is the play then going forward post pandemic right are, are you ex- are you expecting them to slow down or and i also see yep. gross profit like Dwindling, yes. right? So, yes, so I want to get, get uh, revenue the slowing down. So yeah. this one, I think I'll be very upfront as well. I'm still struggling to find an answer, which is why I exited. So maybe we can gradually move into that side. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. So I'll share the before after. The before after in the sense where before I exited. Okay. So before yeah. I exited, um, through my own research, because yeah, it's like, is this a COVID stop? Is this a COVID play? So very concerned. And then through a lot of the analyst calls that the management team does with these analysts from like Bank of America, what have you, or these conferences, and in the quarterly earnings as well, they actually share their stats and also in their earnings presentation of all the total Peloton users currently that they had back then uh, that they surveyed. Four out of five did not come from a gym. You get my point? So initially, my, my take was, if this is a COVID stop, it means that people, because they cannot go to the gym, then they buy the bike to kind of use as a, what we call a substitute or like uh, people who are already in the fitness market. But four out of five of their current users did not come from a gym and majority of their users are not in the market for fitness equipment which means how did they come across it? It's really true word of mouth. And this one has to give it to them. Their word of mouth is really solid and strong. There's a lot of pull factor rather than push from advertising, even though they're starting to ramp up the advertising engineering, but um, a lot of pull factor from consumer to consumer to consumer. And so because of that, when I look at those factors, I'm like, okay. And during the pandemic itself, right, they actually didn't spend much on marketing. Uh, They actually openly said, if you see their spend on sales and marketing, previously pre-pandemic was like 20 plus percent. During pandemic, it dropped to like 12, 13%. You might think it's a bit silly, right? Because pandemic, they should be capitalizing. But there's one reason they didn't do that. And it's unfortunate. It's because they didn't expect the pandemic to happen. Nobody saw that. So the supply chain cannot cope. 
So because the supply mm. chain cannot cope, they didn't want to like rev the marketing engine. So they held back. So mainly came from word of mouth. So it's because of those factors that helped make me realize the past, this is still the past, that oh, I don't think they are a COVID play. But then now moving on to the present or the current or, or like the latest quarter, the reason the stock fell like 40% in a week or something like that um, mm. is because of uh, the management team in the earnings call for the first time, they showed a lot of weakness. Previously, most earnings call, they are normally quite confident. There's always a few hiccups here and there, but not generally very confident. They show a lot of uncertainty. So John Foley, who's the CEO, mentioned that, yeah, they actually overestimated demand after the recovery of the pandemic. So right now that since places are all opening up, they overestimated more food traffic into their stores that they sell the Peloton from. So similar to Apple and Tesla, they have their own stores. They don't sell through third-party distributors or this. Also their own stores. They overestimated food traffic. They also overestimated site traffic. So they didn't expect it to drop so much, but it dropped by more than they expected. So because of that, this is obviously COVID happening already. And of course, because of uh, summer, because you know, the US, the summertime is from like May all the way to like around the spring, which is uh, October period and then like December. So because of those factors, that's why the revenue took a hit. And that's why they guided for such a terrible guidance. And that's why the whole stock came out because of the poor revenue expectation. So to answer your question, I don't have the perfect answer. Previously, I was quite confident because of what they said. But in the recent quarter, they also sounded uncertain of moving forward. Forward, whether there's actually a lot of COVID tailwinds pushing them up. So my perspective is because of the strong customer love for the product, I still think they'll be around for a long time. But I would say COVID did play a role in pushing them up or giving them a strong advantage doing that. And can they maintain that as of now? Looks like likely not. Yeah. Okay. Why, yeah. why do you think likely not? because of the recent stuff that happened. And so maybe you can get into why I exited, right? A few reasons. Okay. So number one is because, like John Foley mentioned, that they overestimated the demand. That's number one. Secondly, and this is something more towards the execution-wise, so it's always been on their cards to, like they keep saying that 2021, which is our financial year 2022, which is right now 2021, because their financial year is normally like a few months in advance of the actual year. It's the year for the threat. And then we can get into the trade. <laughs> and that is uh, because of the accident with the toddler getting killed because of a treadmill, they had to pull back the thread, recall, and then do a few things. But even after that, they are supposed to roll out the thread. And they have. They have rolled out the thread. It's not taking place at the speed that it's supposed to or they said that it would. And I, granted, I get it. You know, companies, we, they have speed bumps on the road. They have hiccups. I get it. We're, we're supposed to zoom out a little bit. But just with this alone, it's very slow in the execution. And then they are supposed to kind of have, or at least in the cuts, a few other hardware that they plan to roll out. It's all pretty slow in the terms of innovation. So the reason I said why I'm a bit unconfident is because even if let's say the fitness trends continue, let's say this demand still continues, but their ability to kind of roll that out makes me feel uncertain. And so okay. that's why I had weakness in my position. Yeah. Okay, so how will you then rate management? Sounds like there are a lot of management problems at this point in time. Yeah, 
Yeah, so <laughs> you're, you're making me come to terms with <laughs> shooting myself also, right? So I really love the founder. His name is called John Foley because uh, a part of my investment research process or my own style is before I invest in a company, I will spend like at least a few weeks watching all their interviews on YouTube and Spotify interviews, podcasts to kind of understand this person's character. So this guy is a, he's a fighter. So to give some context, when he first launched Peloton, people didn't believe because it's just a, who the heck would buy hardware on a bike? Every VC back then wanted to fund stuff around software, correct? So uh, he went through, I think, if I'm not wrong, I could be off. Is it hundreds or thousands of uh, rejections before he got his first VC funding or whatever? So this guy is it's a fighter that really believes in the mission. So I love him for everything that, that I've researched on him so far. But as of late, the execution as a team. So I wouldn't really know whether you can grant it it's his fault exactly, but I would say yes, like, because as the CEO, I would still put you responsible. That is the ability to innovate and to execute these things are not there. And the part that I think I was quite disappointed to be fair, was on the latest earnings call, which is just last month, an analyst actually asked them, said, hey, given that you know you guys are lowering the prices of your bike to in order to kind of sell more, and so your gross margins are coming down, do you likely need to raise more money to kind of fund your business? Because like you mentioned, they have a high expenditure on music and content, right? And they said, no, actually, as of the cash balances that we have and the revolving credits that we have, the credit faculty, uh, we are good. We don't need. And then like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Just one week after the earnings call, you raise capital. So in the mm. earnings call, they say, oh, we don't need and we don't foresee a capital raise. And they did that. So I get it if the company needs cash, but when you sound so certain that you don't need and then mm. one week later, you do 180 on us as investors, it calls to question, maybe not integrity, because I think this guy is quite, really he's for the business, but it just tells me you are, even you yourself are not sure of the needs for your own business. Mm. What more me as an investor? And this reminds me of Kevin Plank from Under Armour. Mm. Right, so mm. Under Armour is oh, the same situation, yeah. right? Like when they rode and rode, they flew, you know, they were everywhere and then they grew and grew and grew every quarter, 20 over percent growth, yep. right? And they hit a ball, they hit a very, very bad situation where they over-indented, they had mm. supply chain problems after that and they couldn't shed their stock you yeah. know, in terms of all the, the stuff that they had, right? Yeah. So inventory problem yeah. and then just spiral, spiral, spiral and to where it is today, lah, huh? So do you think it's a situation where the team doesn't have enough talent in the sense of like operation because managing supply chain is very complicated that's one thing yeah. and in Under Armour at that point in time they didn't have someone that is like you know very good with operations and you know what are your thoughts yeah. on you know this part like beyond just the founder um, I would say yes to answer your question so same thing I mean I can't look at the future I can only look at the track record right even though yeah this CEO is someone that I love for his grit and his resilience but first of all during COVID now granted I know nobody saw COVID coming but the supply chain issues was a mess. Uh, it was a complete mess. So, so to give some context, typically what we call the OTD, um, on-time delivery window, it's a term in the manufacturing industry for these kinds of uh, supply chains. Their previous OTD for the bikes uh, before COVID was just maybe like one to three weeks about there. Right? During okay. COVID, it went up to as high as like two months or even three months in certain crazy periods or certain states where it's a bit harder for the third-party logistics or for their own vans to reach because of supply chain. So, which is why, like I mentioned just now, they couldn't ramp up marketing because of fulfillment issues. So that's number one. They had to spend $100 million in order to kind of expedite the shipping via air freight because most of their bikes came from this factory in Taiwan. 
So because of this, uh, I think it comes by another method, maybe boat or whatever. <laughs> but uh, because of this, they spend 100 million, which ate into their margins. And so because of this, their margins took a hit. Operating margin, gross margin all took a hit. And so because of this, it tells me that, wow, 100 million is a lot, quite a fair bit, I think, to spend on supply chain. So that's during the pandemic. But investors were all closing one eye, myself included, because the revenue was still growing like bonkers. Right? So that's a supply chain issue they faced already. And, but of course, to be fair to them, a lot of the other competitors that I listened to the interviews of those company CEOs who are also in the connected fitness business all face supply chain issues. So granted, maybe I want to be fair there. Right now, also, you have another issue regarding execution of these products, rolling out of these threads, what have you. That's the second time these supply chains are coming up again. So maybe could you say, oh, it's, but it's because of the accident, because of the baby died at the treadmill, we had to recall, and then uh, the approval from the authorities is taking longer than expected. Yeah, maybe. But um, I think from an investing point of view, where I place my money is important. When I see stuff like that, recurring theme is execution around supply chain. To answer your question, it's yes. I think they may lack good supply chain operational uh, strategies or executives on their team. And so that should be what they're trying to solve. But yeah, I, I don't have the best answers to how they're going to do it yet as of now. Fair, fair, fair. So I think we hear a lot of challenges coming up, right? With yeah. supply chain, also with the changing yeah. consumer habits going forward. Because like pandemic, it's kind of post-pandemic in a lot of places. Right? In Singapore yeah. still, you know, like, you know, but in a lot yeah. of places, it's already yeah. post-pandemic. So you want to see the consumer habits, how do they develop over time, right? Yeah. So maybe in the last, you know, things that you can share with us, like give us some concrete idea. What are some of the risk factors and why did you then decide to you know, leave <laughs> okay. the company? Like just... You know, uh, let's take a break from this. Okay, so it tie, ties in nicely, <laughs> uh, because I mean, I left it obviously because of risk factors, right? Actually, I covered, mm-hmm. kind of covered most of them already. But um, I think to give a, yeah. a quick background as to why I left. Okay, so I would not have exited the position if not for my style of portfolio allocation. So just a quick background, even though it may not be part of this podcast. Like, no, um, it's important. I, it's I have important, a pretty yes. concentrated portfolio. How concentrated? I'm, I'm talking about like, seven to eight stocks, but the top four can take up like 80-90% of it. And Peloton was one of those concentrated positions. If today I have a diversified portfolio of like maybe like your, your Peter Lynch, what have you, right? I'm like a few hundred or maybe like even like 50-60. I can afford to let it stay there. And if you ask me, right, I think I would let it stay there because like if I ask myself, fundamentally, you know, the Buffett saying back then American Express and the oil scandal, like fundamentally, did anything change in the business? Okay, execution-wise, yes, their execution got problem, but is the product love still strong? Yes. Is the customer still using the product at the same rate? Yes. Even though there's seasonality from summer to winter, but yes, there is no anger or poor customer service, whatever. It's still the same level of customer raving, cult-like fan level of uh, excitement for that so it's still there so if i have a more diversified portfolio i would have left it there because i really believe in the long run but long run who knows how many years it will still go back and eventually still continue to grow but the problem was that because of my concentration i don't know how long it's going to be stuck there and when i consider opportunity cost right like hey i can put my money in other companies i have a lot more confidence i have a lot more clarity on the management execution and direction for the next few years why would i want to keep the money there so that's why i took the loss and that's quite a heavy loss for me uh, but from a whole portfolio it's still fine uh, and so yeah i think to answer your question from a more management level a few things number one as a management team 
if you yourself are telling me that you don't have uh, an idea of your forecast for your website traffic on your store traffic for the next coming months, which they openly said, then what more <laughs> me as an investor? I mean, I can do all the scuttlebutt that I want. Right? Even you yourself are not clear. How would I be clear? So that was a big red flag for me. Number two, you did a capital raise when you said you didn't. So put the execution stuff aside. Uh. Even your own financial situation, you're not clear, man. You, you get my point? Like, like, you did a capital raise. Like, once again, I, I said, it. it's okay to do a capital raise. Eh. But when you say you don't need and you do it one week later, hey, there's a problem there, man. Thirdly, uh, the day mm. after they released the earnings, I think they timed this also. Uh, um, they released a report. And I think this one got leaked openly to the public. But I think they knew that it was going to get leaked anyway. They have temporarily stopped all hiring across mm. the board for their company. Uh, because of the fact that expenses are increasing, right? They spent a lot of expenses. They overexpanded during COVID, and like I mentioned, right? This ties into my first point as to how they overestimated demand. So they're a bit bloated right now. They're trying to cut costs. So from my perspective, it's just one thing. This is just very clearly. It's like this is not what a growth company, at least in the medium term, should look like. Once again, in the long term, can they grow? I would say yes, because I still love the company, right? Um, but same thing, uh, if it just you're cutting costs, this is not what a growth company looks like. And for my style of investing, if the revenue doesn't grow, the price will not move. Even though I don't talk about price here because you want to think long term, but same thing, my money will be a big opportunity cost there. So it's for those three reasons that my lack of belief and faith in the management team now that I'm exiting the position. And those are the risks. Uh, it's mainly the management and of course the ability to understand their business and do the operational stuff. Yep. Fair, fair. I hear you. And I foresee more cash, more capital yeah. <laughs> raising. I foresee from the that. Company. Just from the yes. financials. I see the financials like, their cash flow is problematic at this point in time. Their cash position is not rich. You know, they have some space for debt, you know, because their debt positions yeah. are not high, but they're already starting to raise debt. So, to continue to move, they will have to raise more equity. So I think for all you listening, yes. um, very likely you will see more dilution. Uh. So if you're interested <laughs> in a company, you can wait wait a little yeah, longer. Correct, correct. <laughs> you, you actually nailed all the points I had in mind here. Great, great. I think we had a great discussion from the whole thought process as to why you bought it all the way to why you sell it. I think this is a great discussion, you know, to, to try to get people to see this whole part of like, okay, you know, as an investor, because of my style, I decided to drop it because of what, 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 what. Right? Does not mean the company inherently is... Um, not a good company but also does not mean that it's not facing a lot of problems in the medium term okay. so can I can I, can okay, I share so, something uh, regarding like uh, portfolio allocation just at yes, least because I think it's very crucial yes, because please. I mean yes, it's please. quite a raw wound that I'm still facing right so I just want to add the point that you made about yeah so uh, in the medium short term they're going to raise more capital your price is going to get worse uh, because of the dilution and so I think the fortunate thing for me was that okay, even though, yes, I took a big hit on this, my full portfolio amount that I lost was just like 4%. And I'm going to give some context to why I'm mentioning this. So thankfully for position sizing, I'm still able to have the courage needed to exit. But because I think you know Twitter, mm. like, there's a lot of Peloton bulls. So I'm actually in touch with some of them. Like We DM each other. I know people who are in Peloton, one stock, all in. And so they are down like, uh, I, I won't, don't want to go so much into the details as to who they are, but they are down close to a million. Yeah. And you just think for a second, when you're down yeah. a million in a stock, right? Okay, unless maybe you have like a lot of nerves of steel, there is no way you're going to say, let me just exit and redeploy. 
no way when you're down a million mm-hmm. and, and so my point was that I think the lesson here if whoever's listening is that even if you like a company may not be Peloton or you don't like the company whatever or I mainly if you like the company uh, I think the sizing is still so crucial no matter how bullish and I think that's something I was very fortunate to still stick to the discipline with in some way because if I had gone all in onto that I would not even have the mood to be doing this podcast with you uh, today right yeah so I think it's an important lesson to take away beyond just the company yeah sorry to cut you off yeah no great great I think that's a good discussion and we should probably continue the discussion in portfolio allocation Um, in our other segment on chills with TSC I will get the editorial team to to contact you (laughs) so yes thank you for coming in with us and I hope to see you again you know with another company (laughs) thank you Reggie for having me Okay. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Coconut. So I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.